yeah, why can't they win the Metropolitan Division? He's probably a little bit more intense than Barry Trotz was during practices. He's professed his love for Long Island. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. A chock full episode 141 as we have both Matthew Barzell news and roster moves to discuss as the regular season draws ever near just about a week or so now. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. I can be found on Twitter at agrossnewsday if Twitter is your thing. And lots to do, as mentioned uh, before getting to your questions for Andrew's answers. And let's start with the news of the week. And that is Matthew Barzell agreeing to an eight-year, $73.2 million extension that will likely keep the sleek skating playmaker on Long Island for the bulk of his career. And certainly it would seem through his the, 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 the prime seasons of his career. The news was announced on Tuesday and Barzell said negotiations had been progressing between his agent, J.P. Barry, and Islanders president and general manager, Lou Lamarillo, for about two months before the sides reached a point that each could be satisfied with. Barzell has said all along he wanted to get a deal done with the Islanders, and this was the only place he really wanted to play. He's professed his love for Long Island, and he said again at the start of training camp he hoped to have a deal before the regular season started. And and Barzell backed up all of his I Love New York, uh, specifically I Love Long Island talk, by putting pen to paper. Now, this was never going to be a a direct, uh, exact sequel to the John Tavares saga during the 2017-18 season, because Unlike Tavares, who was heading into unrestricted free agency, Barzell at 25 was going to be a restricted free agent with arbitration rights next summer. So in effect, the Islanders were going to maintain control. But the comparable portion is that Tavares, too, stated he liked playing for the Islanders and he was hopeful it would work out. And, well, we all know how that went. And When the deal was done, Barzell was asked about the importance to him and also to the Islanders' franchise of him being the guy who signed the deal rather than being the guy who might ultimately have walked away. Well, well, first, first thing, I uh, I absolutely love the fans here. Genuinely, they are uh, they're they're seriously so unique. They're one of a kind. It's like. it's like everyone is just such a diehard Islander fan. I love it, and we feel the support, and I feel I've felt the support the last six years. And I think if it was different, maybe my mindset uh, would have been different through these negotiations. But seriously, like I, I, they've given me so much love and support, and um, yeah, like it, that that's that plays a huge part in it. So uh, I can definitely say that the fans being so supportive and and whatnot have uh, really wanted me to stay here and win for them. Barzell said he might have considered continuing negotiations once the season began, but he was happy to be able to go into the regular season with this settled so he wouldn't have any, as he called it, individual, individualistic thoughts 
about his production, his offensive production, his numbers during the season and how that might affect his contract. He said this deal allows him to concentrate 100% on team success. Now, to to be fair, I I don't think he would have become a a total me-first player looking to put up more and more numbers uh, just solely based on, on wanting a new contract. Obviously, he wants to put up numbers to help the team, but I, I I don't think when he said that, you know, it would have been in the back of his mind, but it wouldn't have turned him into a total me-first fiend. Um, but Lamarillo, uh, Lou Lamarillo, for his part, said he wasn't sure he would have continued continued negotiating once the season started because he believes uh, a, a lingering contract negotiation might have become a distraction for the team. And to quote Lou Lamarillo, I don't like distractions. As to the deal and its AAV of $9.15 million in uh in some ways, I think this is somewhat of a team-friendly price, as crazy as that might sound. Remember, Tavares got $11 million per, and that was four years ago from the Maple Leafs. Uh, Barzell's point production uh, has never come within 23 points of the 85 he compiled as a rookie while playing for then-coach Doug Waite. And Barzell has clearly made sacrifices to his offensive game to improve his all-around game uh, under the defensive-minded Lamarillo and and Barry Trotz and now Lane Lambert. But $9.15 million is a high figure for a 60-point score. And, and as we've discussed, Lane Lambert's mandate is to s- make sure Barzell's offensive production increases while still keeping the defensive improvements that he's put into his game intact. But I, I really think you have to look at this with a more refined eye and, and not just based on the points. Resigning Matthew Barzell, who is clearly the Islanders' best offensive player, was incredibly important for the franchise, especially uh, within the context of what happened with Tavares. Now, uh, to sign him long-term like this, the Islanders had to show a serious financial commitment, and and not next season, but the season uh, after the salary cap is expected to start rising again, uh, perhaps significantly. So in a couple of seasons, this contract shouldn't be the salary cap anchor it might seem to be right now. And remember, Matthew Barzell is playing this coming season as the final season of a three-year $21 million deal. So his cap figure doesn't rise from $7 million to $9.15 million until next season. Now, it hasn't happened yet, and I'll say that again, it hasn't happened yet with this uh, with, with off-season free agent misses with Johnny Gaudreau and Nazem Kadri, but the commitment to Barzell may very well entice eventually a top-flight scoring wing to want to come to the Islanders to to be his teammate, and uh, I, I think the Barzell contract does show a stability to the rest of the NHL. That is important. Um, Matthew Barzell's commitment to the Islanders is important to show around the NHL. So, uh, like I said, I, this, I, I think this is a win-win contract for, uh, for Barzell and the Islanders. And, uh, again, Barzell is just 25. 
Uh, he'll be 26 when the contract starts, so this will take him through his age 34 season, I, uh, if I'm doing my math. And right now, the, the Islanders are on the books for approximately $71 million for 17 players uh, for the 23-24 season. And, and that season, the salary cap is projected to rise just $1 million from this season's $82.5 million. But by 24-25, some projections, uh, you know, the salary cap could be rising up to $88 million, and then teams are going to have a little more leeway. Um, So, in short, like I said, I like this deal for the Islanders, and I like this deal for Barzell. And uh, and here's Lou Lamarillo, and this is a direct quote for him, uh, about the the contract and why he likes Matthew Barzell, why he likes Matt Barzell with the Islanders, and now what Matt Barzell has to live up to. And this is a quote, I'm a fan because Matt has the ability to raise his game and to be a special player. This contract and our faith in him puts that responsibility on him. We're trusting that. Now it's up to him to respond to that. There's a comfort on both sides that can and will happen. That's why it's important to get something like this done. There's no question he's improved his game without the puck. He knows he has a way to go in that area and is committed to doing that. So Matthew Barzell in for eight seasons, $73.2 million. uh, And that will not be a continuing storyline throughout this season. And uh, on, on Wednesday, the Islanders trimmed their roster and brought a lot more clarity to the remaining training camp battles for roster spots. To, to go over it, forward pros, prospects Atu Ratu, William Dufour, and Simon Holmstrom, along with goalie Jakub Skarek and Ruslan Ishakov, they were all reassigned to the Islanders' AHL affiliate in Bridgeport. Defenseman Isaiah George, a fourth-round pick this summer who never got to get on the ice uh, and skate with his teammates during training camp because of an unspecified uh, injury issue, was returned to his junior team, London of the Ontario Hockey League. Additionally, goalie Corey Schneider, defenseman Dennis Chalowski, and Parker Wotherspoon, along with forwards Andy Andreoff, Cole Bardreau, Arnaud Durando, and Hudson Fashing, they were all uh, placed on waivers with the uh, purpose of being reassigned to Bridgeport. Also, defenseman Seth Helgelson, Helgelson uh, Bridgeport's captain, was reassigned uh, back to the Bridgeport Islanders earlier this week. And all of those moves uh, that, that seemingly leaves Oliver Wallstrom, who had missed a couple of practices as I speak, battling uh, with Kiefer Bellows. And, and Bellows has looked more assertive throughout training camp. And, uh, and additionally, Nikita Shoshnikov, who I think Lamarillo and the coaching staff likes quite a bit, uh, plus, Ross Johnson and Otto Koivula are, are all in camp, and those guys are battling uh, for spots uh, amongst the forwards. I do believe the Islanders will carry 14 forwards, meaning two extra, and for all the talk of internal competition, I, I, I feel like Wallstrom entered training camp with it being his job to lose, and I think he's 
been pushed and is being pushed pretty hard through camp, uh, particularly by Bellows and Shoshnikov. And look, Ross Johnson has a clear role on this team, so I think he'll be among the top 14 as well. Um, defensively, Robin Sallow, he has stood out amongst the candidates for that sixth uh uh, defenseman's job. He stood out because of his offensive potential, because of his skating. And yes, he even, you know, he's, he's shown some poise in the defensive zone. So I, I think Robin Sallow pretty much has that sixth spot locked up. Um, and if the Islanders carry 14 forwards, that would mean uh, seven defensemen on the opening night roster. Now, Sebastian Ajo, Grant Hutton, Paul Ledoux and Samuel Bolduck are all still, to me, competing for that seventh D-man's role. Uh, You've heard me say uh, I I, I like Grant Hutton's stability in the defensive zone, Um, though I think he's been prone both in in scrimmages and in preseason games. He's had a couple of instances, or at least three that I can remember, where he's had trouble keeping the puck in at, at the offensive blue line. Aho Aho is what Sebastian Aho is at this point. We've all seen it. Uh, both we and the Islanders know what he is as a player. Um, I, I don't think that's an NHL regular, but there may be some comfort uh, just because of his previous experience uh, with the Islanders and keeping him around as as the seventh D man, uh, possibly as a result. I I wouldn't count out Paul to do though. Um, he's 30. He has 70 games of NHL experience between the Kings, and uh, 69 of those games did come with the Kings. And, and he had one game with the Islanders last season. Uh, like Grant Hutton, Ledoux is a steady guy in the defensive zone. Uh, he thinks the game really well, and I, I think he's caught the coaching staff's eye. Uh, Lane Lambert was asked about Ledoux. Uh, Ledoux's performance in Tuesday's 4-3 preseason overtime win uh, against the Flyers in Philadelphia, and Ledoux logged 16.03 of playing time. He had three shots. He was credited with two hits and uh, said Lambert, quote, I thought he played great last night. He's physical. He just keeps it simple. He moves the puck, and he's aggressive. And, uh, you know, for Lane Lambert, that's uh, some pretty effusive praise, actually. And uh, uh, as, as we go over the personnel uh, of, of some concern is Cal Clutterbuck. He's coming off season-ending shoulder surgery last season, but he had missed three straight practices as of Wednesday. And also defenseman Mayfield, and also, as I mentioned, Oliver Wallstrom, they had both missed two in a row as of Wednesday. Also on Wednesday, uh, Casey Sezikis, uh left uh, practice midway through for what uh, Coach Lane Lambert said was maintenance. And now Lambert has said there is no long-term concerns for any of them, though he didn't quite necessarily commit to any or all of them being ready for the October 13th season opener against the Florida Panthers at UBS Arena. But, But presuming everybody is healthy, um, here's the way the opening night lineup ha- has been shaping up as training camp progresses. And you have Captain Anders Lee on Brock Nelson's left wing, along with Anthony Beauvillier. 
Matthew Barzell uh, has been centering Zach Parisi and Kyle Palmieri. Uh, JG Pajot has been consistently with Josh Bailey, although you, you, you could throw either Bellows or Wallstrom or Shoshnikov on that line at this point. Um, I, I think it's a, a fairly even competition, to be fair. And then, you know, again, providing that there is uh, some health here, um, Matt Martin with Casey Sezekis and Cal Clutterbuck. Uh, defensively, uh, you know the pairs. It's uh, Adam Pellick with Ryan Pulak, Alex Romanov with uh, Noah Dobson, and as I said, it appears to be Robin Sallow's gig with Scott Mayfield. Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov are the two goalies. Um, and as long as Sorokin and Varlamov remained healthy. They were going to be the goalie tandem. But one of the bright spots in training camp was the play of veteran goalie Corey Schneider, who was third on the organizational depth chart. And he's on his third straight one-year deal with the Islanders after the Devils bought out their former number one netminder. Uh, Groin and hip issues have really derailed Schneider's NHL career. But, uh, and, and again, Corey was a guy that I got to cover uh, before really he got hurt when he was with the Devils. Uh, to my eye, he's, and, and also in chatting with Corey Schneider, as you'll hear, uh, he may be as healthy now as he has been since maybe the 2017-18 season. He, he was moving really well in camp. He looked very good in his one preseason appearance, uh, stopping 13 of 14 shots in 30 minutes and five seconds of a 4-1 loss to the Devils at Prudential Center on September 27th. Um, and the Rock, of course, is where Schneider won his lone NHL appearance last season for the Islanders, stopping 27 shots in a 4-3 win over his former team on April 3rd, uh, which was his first NHL win since March 6th, 2020. And like I said, I had a chance to chat with Schneider about his health and his optimism and whether he believes he can be a regular NHL goalie again. Sometimes it's hard to pinpoint. Um, you almost just know when you feel it, but I, I, I just feel like my skating is a little bit better. I feel like more fluid and um, like I'm able to get my hips open and, and move laterally a little bit better with more uh, control and speed. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to explain where that comes from. But like I've said before, you know, going through the, the last couple of years there where, um, you know, obviously got sent down my last year in Jersey and mm. got a handful of games there at the end before COVID, but not really. And then missed that whole COVID stretch and then taxi squad didn't get to play. So like, yeah. Like I said, it was almost like two years without really playing meaningful games at this level. Um, and even last year, you know, um, I think just, just playing, even the American League, getting that timing and feel and rhythm and um, your spacing and where you need to be when. And um, if you're not doing it all the time, you kind of, you almost forget a little bit, even though you've been doing it your whole life. So for me, I think just coming off of last season and um, feeling that, that, you know, that timing and rhythm that I have, it's mm -hmm. transferred over to this camp. And again, it's just still training camp, but um, mm -hmm. I've been more encouraged, I think, by how I've played and felt that yeah. now than I have the last two camps here, right. where it almost felt like I was trying to relearn how to how to play at this at this pace and this speed and this level. So um, again, 
doesn't mean a whole lot, but uh, it's it's uh, encouraging. You'd rather fear this way than not. Yeah, because I mean, to me, uh, I'm a layman with this stuff, but it, it just seems like you're getting to maybe positions that you didn't. You know, it's it's a millisecond difference, but that's you know that makes all the difference. Yeah, because um, you know, especially in goaltending, it, it, it all just kind of snowballs. If you're a half second late, and yeah. then you're doing things to make up for that being late, and if you're not trusting that you're going to get there in time, you start cheating and leaning, and it all can really um, cascade down and affect other parts of your game. So I think when you're getting your spots on time, it allows you to play a little more confidently, a little more freely, a little more patiently. Because, um, yeah, there were times for sure where I felt like, all right, well, i got to get a head start on it because I'm not going to get there in time. And um, it opens you up to other things, and you're, you're sort of guessing a bit. So I think last, this year I, I just feel more assertive and more patient and, um, like I said, more confident, which uh, I think at the end of the day it leads to. And, you know, how do you, in, in your mind, you know, do you try and look at a, a bigger picture? Do you just figure you'll you'll do what you do, things will break the way you do it? Or how much would it mean to you to, to earn a spot in the NHL, you know, be yeah. here or somewhere again? Well, I mean, I think that's the goal for anybody. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm still playing not to just play, you know. Yeah. I'm playing to play at the highest level with the best best players. And, um, you know, I understand the situation here. Obviously, Ilya and Barley are incredible goalies, and that's the strength of this team. And mm-hmm. I'd like to think that uh, having me as the number three here is, is, is a benefit. And, you know, God forbid anything happened to either of them that I can step in and hopefully uh, replicate what they've been doing. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it, for me, like I said, it's about reps and playing and yeah. um you know, again, if, if I can get an opportunity or, or play well enough to earn time at the NHL level, it's here or somewhere else. Uh, that's obviously the goal. That's why we play. And, um, you know, again, I think last year playing that game um, was really meaningful for me just to get back here after a couple of years and just to see, like, hey, you know, I, I can still do it, you know, whether I can do it 60 times or <laughs> 10 times. Like, that's that's what you try to find out. But, um, it, it, you know, like I said, it, it sort of not validates, but it, it helps you along saying, all right, you know, I, I want to be back at this level and I want to play. And, you know, again, I'm talking to guys, it's always, you know, as long as you feel like you can still play, play. You yeah. know, if you walk away too soon, I think that was part of it. If, if, you know, I didn't really know the last yeah. couple of years. I didn't know if I could play or not. And yeah. I think if I had stepped away or retired and not tried, then it would have bothered me just to say, hey, could I have done it or not? Yeah. Um, so now at least, you know, I, I, I felt pretty good in the American League level last year. Um, and again, hoping to maybe get some time up here. But I understand that it's, uh, you know, my job is to, to fill in if something does happen, um, and I'll be ready. I've been around long enough that <laughs> strange things happen, so you always have to be ready no matter what, and uh, that's that's my job right now, and uh, my goal is to, like I said, be at this level at some point. Yeah, and I, I mean, it seems like, you know, we talked the other day about goalies getting bigger, but it also seems like the, the shelf life is longer, right? Goalies are playing, you know, into their 40s. Yeah, I mean, look at, you know, Andy and, and Mike Smith and, um, you know, Flurry guys still playing at a pretty high level. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think some of it's maybe the load management going on where you're not playing 60, 70 games every year and, yeah. and guys are able to save themselves. Um, I, like you said, I think the, the athleticism of guys has gone through the roof. So now you have, you have better athletes, stronger, more flexible, in better shape, which is leading to longevity. And, and obviously, you know, training methods are light years ahead of where it was even 10 years ago. So guys are really taking care of their bodies and ensuring that they can play a long time. And I think obviously we're fortunate we don't take some of the wear and tear that the skaters do in terms of, you know, punishment physically to your head, things like that. Um, but, yeah, like it's, it's – it's, uh, I think it's more of a mental position maybe than others. So I think as you get older, sometimes you do get a little bit smarter. And I think that's hopefully uh, what's happening here. Yeah. <laughs> and before we get to Andrew's answers, uh, just uh, 
Oh, one more note as it relates to Robin Sallow and how the lineup is shaping up. Uh, we've started to see uh, Lane Lambert and assistant coach Johnny McLean's uh, idea of how to deploy the power play units. And, uh, uh, you know, Robin Sallow is included in that. And, and that really is telling you a lot about how they view Sallow's um, you know, role on the team heading into the regular season. But uh, through the preseason or, or the last couple of, you know, uh, practices, games, the power play one has been Noah Dobson uh, quarterbacking it. And uh, you've got Anders Lee at the as the net front presence. Uh, Brock Nelson is now playing more along the half wall. Uh, rather than closer to the net. And he seems really comfortable there, especially in the right circle, kind of whipping off some one-timers. And also on that top unit, you have Matthew Barzell, of course, and Kyle Palmieri. And, and Robin Sallow has been quarterbacking the second uh, unit, which includes Zach Parisi as a, as a net front presence and also has Anthony Beauvillier and Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Josh Bailey. Um, so again, you know, it's how this team is shaping up. Um, you know, could Lou Lamarillo swing a deal, uh, before the regular season opens for a defenseman? I, I don't think that's completely outside the realm of possibilities. Some teams are, are going to be facing some roster squeezes. There may be some players that could be on the move, but for now, uh, I, I really do think uh, this is Robin Sallow's job. And uh, and now we come basically to your portion of the Island Ice podcast. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And so we'll uh, just jump in here. Uh, Jay says, do you think the Islanders will make the wild card and go to the Eastern Conference Finals again this season. Um, <laughs> uh, you're asking me to look at the crystal ball. Um, yeah, why can't they win the Metropolitan Division? Uh, you know, I, I would assume most people would think the Rangers are the favorite to win the division, but I, 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 I do think the Islanders are, are going to get back to the playoffs this season, and I'm hoping. Uh, you know, to go into more NHL preview stuff uh, with the next episode. Um, but no, I, I I do think the Islanders will be a playoff team. I'm not convinced of the Eastern Conference Finals this season. But that being said, in the past, we've seen how the Islanders are a team built for the playoffs. William Yermel says... Hi, Andrew. I personally don't think the Islanders can compete in free agency. They are not a destination for free agents. I also don't think players care about a new building. They have uh, any choice but to out... I guess uh, William's saying they have no choice but to outdraft the competition. Is Lou the guy to get this done? Um, I will argue a little bit that... I, I think the Islanders can compete in free agency, and I do think uh, the facilities at UBS Arena will ultimately sway someone. Uh, I, I really do. Um, again, you know, as I've said in the past, 
each uh, each free agent uh, scenario is an individual scenario, and sometimes you can't really connect the dots with them. Um, is Lou the guy to get this done as far as the draft? Well, now, if you look at the draft and you look at the draft Lou and his staff is or the drafts that Lou and his staff have put together, uh, you, you certainly want to say that uh, Noah Dobson was a home run, right? And I, I think the jury is still out on Oliver Wallstrom, who was taking one pick ahead of the uh, Dobson in 2018. Simon Holmstrom, again, didn't make the team. He got sent back to Bridgeport. Um you know, Simon Holmstrom, he had a better training camp uh, than I've seen. I mean, he looks more poised and he looks stronger. Um, and, he, and he looks a little bit more assertive than he has in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if Holmstrom gets some time in the NHL this season. Um, but, you know, the jury is definitely out on that pick. And uh, I think the other one that, you know, you're looking at is Atu Ratu. And if he turns to something, then you're going to say... Lou stole him in the second round when other teams shied away from him for one reason or another. So is Lou the guy to get this done? Uh, Lou is, I, I think Lou is uh, as good as anybody else you're going to bring in uh, in terms of uh, getting that done. And um, let's see, Glenn says, any news on Cal Clutterbuck? Think it's something to be concerned about missing third straight practice. Uh, well, we've come to expect from the Islanders, not much news. Uh, Lane Lambert really tight-lipped in terms of injury updates so far. Um, he just says, we'll have to see tomorrow. Uh, says no long-term, uh, concerns for now. Um, look, I, I think it is something to be concerned about. Clutter is coming off, some, you know, a, a serious shoulder injury, um, and, you know, I, I get the feeling that they're being very cautious with him through training camp, and, and rightfully so. Um, but this is probably something that will need to be monitored through the season. And, uh, you know, there may be uh, little stretches where he needs a, a, a breather here or there. Um, Scott Weinstein says, is Jakub Shkarek a capable backup, assuming they want to move Varley and his, uh, you know, uh, Shkarek is definitely progressing. Is he an NHL-ready goalie right now? I, I think he still needs at least a season's worth of uh, developing. Um, as you heard in the interview, I, Corey Schneider, to me, is third on the organizational depth chart. If there were any moves to be made, if Varlamov got traded at the trade deadline, or if there was an injury to either Ilya Sorokin or Varley, I, I think... Corey Schneider is the guy they bring up. Uh, Will Forthman uh, says, at this point, it seems uh, Sallow is the front runner for the sixth defenseman. Who do you think gets the seventh D-man spot? Aho hasn't really impressed me much during camp. And no, I don't think Sebastian Aho has had a standout camp whatsoever. He's gotten a little bit better uh the, the past few days, he didn't have an awful game against the Flyers in, in Philadelphia. Um, now, he's a guy that would have to go through waivers to get down to Bridgeport. I don't think anyone would claim him 
at this point, like I said uh, earlier, I think there's some comfort level with Sebastian Ajo that the Islanders know what they have in him, and they trust him enough to throw him out in, in spurts. But I think they're really intrigued by uh, a Paul Ledoux at this point, and uh, Paul Ledoux may surprise people and get that seventh D-man spot. Um, NV says, with uh, Matthew Barzell's new cap starting in 23, what are the odds of the following players being here in a year, given that the salary cap only goes up by $1 million? Uh, Mayfield, Varlamov, Wallstrom, Bellows, Bailey, Bo, uh, the latter two entering a walk year then. Um, I get the sense that Bailey and Bo will be here to complete their contracts. Bellows spoke during training camp. He knows what a huge year this is for him. He's on a one-year deal, and uh, if it doesn't happen this season, I, I don't see him probably getting a chance next season. Uh, Wallstrom, they probably have a longer leash with. He, he's a little bit younger, um, and and he'll also still be cheap um, <laughs> for next season. Varlamov has to come down from that $5 million AAV, uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I know, you know, I know Semyon wants to stay here and I think he would like to finish his career as an Islander, but Ilya Sorokin is going to be the goalie making the bulk of the salary cap allotment towards goalies. So it's a matter of whether Varlamov comes back on a cheaper one or two year deal. And I think Scotty Mayfield is the really interesting one because he he might wind up tripling his AAV from where he is right now. He's at, what, 1.5? And, uh, you know, a defenseman uh, of Scott Mayfield's worth is probably in the 4 million range. I'm not convinced they're going to be able to squeeze Scott Mayfield in uh, for next season. And that's why it's, you know, very important to the Islanders that these defense prospects, you know, blossom into NHL uh, uh, candidates. And right now you're looking at Robin Sallow, who I think is going to break through to start the season. And then, you know, when is Samuel Bolduck going to be ready? It's not right now, but could he be ready uh, after this coming season in the AHL? And, uh, you know, that's or or the Islanders are going to have to go out and maybe get another a veteran on a, on a cheaper deal. But I, I think Scotty Mayfield is, you know, I, I know where his heart is, and I know the Islanders really like his game, but sometimes it just doesn't work with the salary cap. Um, John says, what are your thoughts on Holmstrom's camp? Is, is, it, is it a disappointment that he was already cut at the stage when guys like Koi Vula and Bardreau are still here, and, and Cole Bardreau is also headed to Bridgeport, so it's just Otto Koi Vula. Or is it a, a case of getting him more development time in, in Bridgeport? And uh, look, I, I, I like I said, I thought Simon Holmstrom, uh, this was the most noticeable I've seen him since he's been drafted, and I, I think there's a maturity to his game. Uh, but yeah, I think he just needs a little bit more development time in Bridgeport. He, he just needs to be, I think, a little bit more assertive in the offensive zone. But uh, uh, I, as I said, I think he's uh, he'll be get some NHL time this season. Um, Dan McCarthy says, what do you see with Lambert's system that's different from Trotz? 
And have you been able to see any differences in their coaching style as it relates to the players? Uh, what about Lambert, the assistant for Lambert, the head coach? Um, as far as systems, and I'm not going to pretend to be an NHL coach here, but it, it looks to me like they're just a little bit more aggressive in the offensive zone. And uh, we've already seen some changes on the power play and Johnny McLean. Uh, you know, is is in on that too. Like I said, the the big one is Brock Nelson working the half wall, and uh, Brock. I think that's going to work. Brock looks very comfortable there. Um, but you know, it, it's probably you know there are some tweaks to defensive coverages and, and and assignments and all that type of stuff. But I couldn't give you the breakdown on that. You know, the bigger picture is, you know, I, I they just, I, I think they're going to try and be just a, a little bit more aggressive in the offensive zone. Um, as far as coaching styles, as it relates to the players, um, you know, they, they kind of worked hand in hand. So there's a lot similar. I, I can tell you that Lane Lambert is... Very intense. Um, he's probably a little bit more intense than Barry Trotz was during practices. Um, he's very vocal in leading the uh, drills. Not that Barry didn't stop drills once in a while to express displeasure and stuff like that. But Lane has uh, sort of had a little bit of, of more of an in-your-face type of style uh, during the drills. Um, he's leading most of them. And uh, Lambert, the assistant, versus Lambert, the head coach. Uh, again, you know, uh, Lambert ran a lot of the drills as, a, as an associate coach. So he's just, he's just having a bigger voice on the ice right now. Uh, Matthew Bernardo says, is there a regular you think is going to lose a spot? And, uh, you know, I think Oliver Wallstrom is the guy, uh, if you consider him a regular. The Isles Meetup Connecticut said most agree uh, Noah Dobson's offensive game is becoming one of his major strengths. What is your impression of his defensive development over this past season? A little early to tell. Um, these preseason games are a scramble. He's had uh, at least one game. Uh, which game was it? The uh, The first Flyers game, I believe. He had a really rough outing uh, in his own zone, and there have been some growing pains as him and Alex Romanov uh, try and figure it out together. So I, I wouldn't say he's had the best training camp, but I'm I'm not overly concerned about that at this moment. Uh, Through the Island podcast says, any chance we see them pair Sallow and Dobson? It seems like Sallow has more of a calm game and Alex Romanov could probably learn a bit about picking spots from Mayfield. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, Mayfield, you know, certainly more of a stay-at-home guy than Dobson. Uh, I think they're really intrigued by the, the skating combination and, and the offensive potential of having Dobson uh, together with Romanov. Um, I, I, I really expect... Sallow to open with Mayfield and uh, and and uh, Romanov to start with Dobson, but you know I I I can't disagree with you, and it wouldn't 
you know, if if the, the Romanov-Dobson uh, pair continues to struggle when the regular season opens, uh, that may be a very quick uh, switch. Um, and we'll finish with Matt, professional contrarian or not. Uh, obviously, we aren't Matthew Barzell, but does re-signing take the pressure off and allow him to just play? What kind of numbers do you guesstimate we see for him for the next two, three years. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, Barzi talked about that himself, as I mentioned earlier, you know, not having those individ- individualistic thoughts um, uh, with the contract in the back of his mind. And yeah, I think it allows him to free himself. And, you know, it's the whole team was thrilled with this deal. Um, uh, Matthew Barzell called up, Anthony Beauvillier and those two are very, very tight and close uh, to let him know the deal was done. And the two of them shared a, a nice emotional moment over the phone. You know, the whole team is just, they they want to play with Barzi and Barzi wants to play with them. And I, I think it relaxes the whole team uh, so they don't have to answer the questions all season. As far as numbers, look, I, I think, you know, if, if Barzi's not at, 75 points uh, through this season. And and honestly, if he plays, you know, say he plays 82 games, you want to see, you know, really 78 to 80 points, I, I would think, um, while, while not slipping defensively. Um, and that's it for Andrew's Answers. And that's it for episode 141 of Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. Uh, Please, again, uh, I'm Andrew Gross, and you can follow me on Twitter at agrossnewsday, and also you can get all of Newsday's Islanders content at newsday.com backslash aisles. And uh, until the next episode, thank you for listening, and happy hockey, everybody.